All right, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Highline Hunter Podcast, coming back, episode 7. I know... All right, just to clear up a couple things, the last episode, episode 6, the audio was atrocious. Uh, it sounded good on the computer when we were doing the testing, and for some reason the mic just wasn't picking up my voice. Adam and I were sitting like three feet from each other we were uncomfortably close and i don't know if just the way this microphone was actually set up didn't recognize it until uh somebody asked me what was going on with the audio and i started playing it on my my uh on my car audio and i was like oh god this i don't think anyone's gonna want to listen to this if this is how it's supposed to if this is how it's gonna sound so uh we I hope have fixed it. Uh, you we'll would, see if you'll this, know. You'll know by now. Yeah, uh, that's my brother Evan. So today's episode, we're gonna talk about uh, the last week that my brother actually came out. He's from. He lives in New York State, which is where we both grew up. He still lives there. You know, I moved out here to Montana thirteen years ago. So. Um, yeah, he this is my brother. We're just gonna recap Hello, the last week. Pleasure to and, be on the uh, podcast. Yeah, younger brother, and uh, basically, so Evan and I, we never we never grew up with hunting. You and I never we never grew up around it. No, um, I'd say at best fishing and camping is yeah, what we fishing, did. Fishing for sure uh a lot growing up and i know my dad used to like to go camping a lot when we were younger and then i think once like junior high and high school came around we just kind of stopped doing it as much uh our uncle bobby was a big influence in being outside and recreational activities outside like camping and fishing and yeah, that we was a uh, family camp yeah he he was a big influence in that as well and then our parents just worked every weekend, so we never really got to go camping too much. It wasn't until when I left for work, when I joined the patrol, and you and Dad started coming out every summer, and we'd start camping. Yeah, at least once a year. I mean, he's a photographer, so he loves... I mean, he's always talked about loving the outdoors as a, as a kid, and no one else in his family liked it. Yeah, and they didn't understand why people why he liked it, mm-hmm. and uh, it was only up until you moved out down into Mexico where we started to schedule the visits, the camping, seeing the national parks, all that stuff. Yeah, we used to just we would basically spend a week every year going fishing and camping at some national park throughout the country. So me leaving New York State for work actually kind of opened up a new avenue of photography for our dad because he could now visit. He had an excuse to actually leave the state and visit. Mm -hmm. So I was that excuse. You'd come along. Uh, It was a lot of fun, but you know, for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, uh, I started hunting just about 12 years ago, 11 or 11 or 12 years ago when I moved out here. Uh, and was able to get that residency status and I basically just went in a hundred percent you know I didn't know what to expect when I started hunting Um, honestly I remember growing up 
walking down the sidewalk, if I saw a dead squirrel, I'd get squeamish. Like dead dead animals to me. When I was a kid growing up, I was like, "Oh, that's disgusting." I the only time you saw it was on the road. The only time you saw animals, yeah, I mean, or at least paid attention to it, was roadkill. Mm-hmm. I mean, in New York, it's so dense, densely timbered. There's so many trees, and you'd see the deer on the side of the road at night. But I mean, I didn't pay any attention to it because I wasn't a hunter. I didn't care. You know, I remember taking trips out to Maine. Uh, for summer vacation and it was always like oh look we got to find a moose we got to find a moose we never saw a moose like but it was just cool to look for a moose because you think you're going to see one and you've never seen one before i thought i saw one one time maybe we had but i don't know it wasn't a wildlife wasn't a big deal to me it just i didn't care about it you know i yeah, liked no fishing one, no one around us did it either like no one was no one in our family no one in school it we had it's not an area of hunting where it's like out here there was we have one family friend whose husband is a hunter joe and yeah. i remember in his, his basement his he, he had all the taxidermy on the walls yep. but he had a big pheasant a big rooster pheasant up on the wall and it was the ugliest bird i'd ever seen and it was i, I thought it was disgusting and uh I, you know i just i didn't whatever you know that was then this is now now it's like we're literally sitting in a room with a wall scattered in skulls (laughs) boiled skulls and antlers and horns we're in a room of death right now this is this is my little trophy room where i montana home yeah where i try to escape and the chaos that's going on upstairs you don't see it in new york state i mean you do but it's just not in our social group it wasn't in our social group no. New York State is actually a very big hunting state. Yeah. There's a ton of hunting. Um, but, like, if you don't surround yourself with people that have the same interests or, you know, we grew up a certain a certain way in a certain social group that we didn't see it. I remember seeing, um, you know, people wearing camouflage in public, just like doing chores or like at the store, whatever. And I'd be like, look at this redneck. <laughs> Why is he wearing camouflage? <laughs> Dude, I can see you yeah. at Home Depot wearing your camouflage. Like, what are you doing? The only camo we wore was if you did JRTC and now, in high school. My most expensive clothing is my camouflage. Yeah. My most expensive jacket is is first light. My mo everything. Like everything I wear, I wouldn't spend $150 on a pair of jeans ever. I still get I now, timid like wearing camo. Like I'm like, this part of me like didn't grow up with this, so I'm still like Oh, I'm putting on camo. Yeah. But it's it's No, totally to me it's now this so is here. this is just my wardrobe at this yeah. point. Earth tones and camouflage. <laughs> I don't care. I think it looks good. And it's actually some of the better like I said, it's the best clothing that I have because it's uh my children in the background if you can hear them. Um yeah, still the jacket and the pants. Um it's I don't know. I just thought it was funny because I used to think all the time that look at these guys wearing camouflage out in public like it's like wearing pajamas in public to me it just seemed absurd at the moment and now it's like oh that's all i wear i i can literally go hunting in what i'm wearing right now minus the blue shirt but if i put on my jacket or my hoodie i'm more inclined to go up to them and talk to them too be like hey do you hunt yeah so like back in new york now it's like oh dude i i should go talk to that guy well because you're new into hunting so yeah 
just to clarify, Evan, I've been hunting for the last 12 years. Evan's, you've only, this is your second year hunting. Well, I've tagged along with you for like the past six years. Just yeah. Just filming and watching and learning and just there for the ride. Yeah, you really. come out for my archery elk hunts. Yeah. So we go down to the breaks together and it was always really nice to have, um, well, it's nice to have company for sure, but uh, to help pack out, to help glass and just have someone to talk to because this year I went solo and man I just was like was super lonely <laughs> like, sitting there for you know I, I wouldn't go back to camp in the afternoon I'd leave camp at morning I'd come back at night and it was some long days not talking to anybody well New York State you know you don't you have to kind of travel to get to if you're like hunting public land but again back to the rarity of coming across someone that hunts like back at home i'm solo pretty much anytime i go out but i'm not spending all day out in the woods it's usually like morning and then yeah, most just the landscape is not designed to for spot and stock which is pretty common out here which is what i like to do and i actually try to incorporate that back at home in new york it's just a lot more difficult just because you know it's thick timber it's, you i mean if you want to be successful back in new york you got to be in a blinder in a tree stand which i kind of disagree with because all of my success so far has been on the ground. How many animals have you killed? I have two unconfirmed kills. <laughs> <laughs> but all the shots what that I'm I... am saying is, <laughs> if you're in a blind, so you're trying to spot and stalk in thick timber, it would be what's called um, still hunting. Yeah. You take so, a step, you look around. Yeah. They see you. It's, it's, it's an effective way to kill animals. It, it can be. But you are, you just need practice. Like... That's kind of why I wanted you to buy this. Um, so Evan bought, he applied for last season, the buck tag, non-resident buck tag here in Montana. He didn't get it. So I said, well, elk is still open. Apply for a cow tag, an elk bee tag. And um, you got it. Yeah. And the reason why I wanted you to get it was because you come out here. I can't, I'm not home. I'm not back in New York anymore, right? So I can't mentor you in things that i wish i knew you know learning how to hunt there's so much information that you accumulate over the years that i wish i could pass on to you i can only pass on so much so it's like he comes out to help with my archery hunts and tags along he's learning okay last year you come out for i'm here to help pack the meat up yeah but i mean <laughs> no i mean you're still learning you still yeah. have to stalk the animal yep. with me you still have to do get up at the certain a certain time of day to get out there while the animals are moving everything that we do you're learning nonstop, right well, it's so, safe to say this trip i learned a lot yes and and we'll break that down we'll get into some of the mistakes you made not i mean not many a couple but uh i've seen worse i really have seen <laughs> some terrible things out there trying to take people out hunting at you know you say i'm not gonna hunt with that person anymore but um, you, yeah. So he drew you drew this tag, this cow tag, and the idea is, you're not taking antlers home, you're not taking horns home, but you're gonna take meat home most mm -hmm. likely. I mean, you're gonna learn. You need to learn. You can hunt a cow elk and a bull elk, with the exception of during the rut when you're actually bugling to locate them. It's essentially the same thing. The way that we hunt elk and deer is it coincides with it doesn't matter if it's a buck or doe like you're still looking for the same exact terrain water food 
shelter, all that. So you're still, you know, you're going to find the animals, right? Whether or not it was going to be a successful hunt is a different story. But I just wanted you to come out here and learn. That was was definitely successful for sure. I mean, it, it was success on day one. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, well, so we drew, I drew the tag for, uh, an area that you have never been to. I've never been to this area. It was I, in Montana. Safe when, to say I've never been there either. Yeah. When you apply for a tag in Montana for elk hunting, well, any tags really, but, um, not, not, not deer tags, general deer tags, but when you apply for like an elk tag in a special draw unit, which was where you hunted, um, you get a first, second, and sometimes a third choice. So I had you put in the breaks where we go. We've been. We've all we've been six seasons. You've been with me for four or five seasons at least down there. I've hunted down there for ten seasons, I think. Eight, or, I don't know, nine yeah, or ten. You're really familiar. With I'm it. familiar with the area. I, I specifically hunt the same area, and I see a ton of elk. It's just different when it's archery. But I was like, well, put in there because I know where to find the cows. Like, I know where we have to look. We have a very good chance of being successful. He doesn't draw his first choice. His second and third choice, in my opinions, were going to be throwaways because I've never drawn anything on a second choice. That's usually already just limited out at the yeah, second choice. Yeah, so in New York State, you can, there's a, what's called a DMP tag, and you can apply to the same spot more than once. You can get two tags in one area. I don't think Montana has that. I think, like, I couldn't what draw you get, all three Well, choices. as far as drawing goes, what you get are bonus points. So, yeah. like, because you didn't draw your buck tag this year, your non-resident buck tag, you were still able to buy a bonus point. So next year, when they do the draw again, you'll have two points, essentially. Essentially, you've doubled your own chances at, from one to two. Yeah, but to get that, uh, to draw for the breaks, like we wanted to initially, I think when you fill out, the application for it, you can only select that place once. I could be wrong, but yeah, yeah no, 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 you have to that's look right. that yes. other area. So, choice your first choice is going to be, you know, the that region. You can't pick that region for your second choice. Where in New York you can, okay, which is kind of nice. Yeah, no, but so you didn't draw it. You you draw the second choice, which to me I was like, there's no way. Did you put in for that first? No, we looked at it. You put in for it second, and you got it. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know this area at all the only reason i told you to put in for it was because it had a high rate of success for drawing yeah yeah. um but i didn't think any i didn't think there would be surplus tags left over on the second round so you come to find out that the area we hunted was unlimited over-the-counter region for cow tags which means that with the exception of two regions in region four Hunt, with the exception of two hunting districts inside of Region 4, you can buy an over-the-counter cow tag. On top of that, they gave out 1,200 cow tags for that zone, which was in the Big Snowies. It covers the north side and the south side. It actually covers two zones. Um, so that's why. That's most likely why, because most people already have their general tag to use on cows or spikes in that area. Or you have your Region 4 over-the-counter tag. Or you have, I think, so I think technically if you had all three, if you used your general tag, your over-the-counter 004 tag, and then your actual specific HD region tag, you could have shot three elk. 
any like people just could. Mm-hmm. I am assuming that's why there were so many surplus tags, and that's how you got the second choice. Now I screwed up because I misread the regulations. And when I'm reading the regulations for this unit, I'm, I see that it's only valid on private land. I was like, you got to be shitting me. Because I look at the unit and it's 95% private land. And one of the biggest landowners in there are the Wilkes brothers who don't really let anyone hunt unless you pay the outfitter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll let people in to shoot cows, but it's a very limited amount of people that get to go on their property. They're, they own in just that area, 86,000 acres of land just in that area. And then everybody else uh, is pretty much outfitted on private land. And if you're trying to get to the public land, what we saw on the maps is you actually have to go through private property. In some a lot of a lot of it's landlocked. The way around the yeah, whole. and there's only I think to get into the snowies, there's like five access points. And we were on the very top, and all the access points were from primarily half the south. of them are snowed in. Yeah, and then the idea was that the other half are just going to be logged with hunters, just clogged up everyone's going to be over there because there's only so many places to get in so you know i panicked for a while i actually wrote out a whole bunch of um hand not handwritten but i typed out a bunch of letters to the landowners down there thinking like he can only hunt on private land where are we going to hunt i send out all these letters it's a long you know it's two pages long of who i am who you are yeah and this was um, like probably two this is back in the spring no this is in the springtime like yeah. beginning of summer because I wanted to get it taken care of quick um, and have people, you know, give them time to make up their minds. And I took satellite images on Onyx Maps and outlined where I wanted to hunt and liability waivers, all that stuff. And I sent out a couple dozen letters, mailed them out. I had like two people call me back. One lady said it's outfitted. The other person said, uh... I think they said they both were outfitted. Either way, I had zero permissions up until uh, I had like a, possi- a possible permission, you know, but not the week you were going to be here. So I'm in panic mode. I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, maybe I'll just buy you another. I'll buy you a zero zero. I'll give you the money to buy a zero zero four tag, which will allow us to hunt any region four in the area because it was my fuck up. And... I'm panicking, and I open up the regs on Montana Fish and Wildlife. Well, so I was confused, too, because I had looked at the map, and I had seen a lot of BLM, a lot of public, in that 411 region. And no. I was I was looking on, um, uh, I don't remember the website, but it gives you access to like the all the aerial views. And on X National shows, Forest and stuff like that. Yeah. The big snowies are in the National Forest, so that's public. But it's also 9,000 feet in elevation in November, which it's called Big Snowies for the reason, a reason, and the reason is that it's going to be covered in snow. How are you going to get in there? I was training. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so I, I go to Fish and Wildlife's website to get on the deer and elk rags again, and I look closer, and it's not valid only on private. It covers actually two regions. It covers 411 and 535, which is the unit to the south. And I was like, oh my God, it's it's the whole season. What I saw was what's called the shoulder season, which is in Montana. It's an extended season before and after normal season to shoot cow elk. That tag 
was only good on private land for the shoulder season. But during the archery and general season, it's open to 411 and 535. So two two regions. And I saw that and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Now we have a chance. So I start going through the map again and I was like, fuck. Uh, it's still 95% private. And I still don't have any private access. So we're going to hunt 5% of a unit yeah. with scattered small sections of Land, B, BLM and state most of which are landlocked so I'm still in panic mode because it's yeah, like just... where are we going to hunt <laughs> I can't hunt anywhere our plan was to go into the big snowies the day he flies in it's a blizzard and it's a blizzard all the way out there to yeah. Lewistown and as I was soon like, as I landed it was a snowstorm they yeah. had all the plows out there um, was probably a foot of snow on the ground single digit temperatures yep it was the, the weather forecast said uh, it was going to get down to two degrees the week that I was here, am here, and then it would start to warm up later in the week. But the first day we got there, it was like hand warmers immediately, double layers right away. Yeah. Start moving around. Don't even set up camp. Like, let's just get at it. Let's move. And then let's just see what we see. Because we don't even know what to expect if this is the right spot to set up camp. Like, we went into town and we started asking We around, went in blind. Which is a tip for those who have never been to a spot before is go into town and ask around like, ask go the, to the sporting goods store go to the gun section would so, you say to the guy like hey i'd love to buy a gun but that's not what i'm here for yeah uh, we're looking to get on some public land we're elk hunting yeah i said something Could you along those lines like help us out yeah and then we went to blm office and we met a man and he was like he was a hunter and he was like they, both the tips that places, he gave us were what I mean, you take them with a grain of salt when you get the tip, but yeah. in hindsight, it's like holy shit. But they both said that one area, that one road, like take that in. That's probably your best bet, and that's what we ended up doing. I think. Yeah, they both again kind of the guys at the sporting goods store, and then the the wildlife biologist over at the BLM office kind of said the same thing. Like, there's only so many roads that you can take to get there. You know, the guys at the sporting goods stores were kind of like, I mean, they didn't really give us any well, <laughs> good tips other than the roads to take. You said, oh, my brother's from New York, and they said New York City. And I was like, no, 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 upstate. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, oh, the uh, city? New York. <laughs> Are you one of those liberals? <laughs> no. Um, upstate, sir. That's when I have to chime and go, well, I, I've lived here for 13 years. You have to consider me a local. Yeah. Uh, the, um, yeah, so, I mean, the information that they gave us at the sporting goods store, it was, it wasn't much. It was something, though. It was, it was something. A... Um, you know, by the time we actually got into town there, to Lewistown, we um, only had about an hour left of daylight, and it was snowing pretty good. So I said, let's just get a hotel. The idea originally was to set up camp that night, but we don't even know where we're going. So we'll get a hotel tonight. We'll walk around. We'll talk to the locals, see what information we can get. And then we'll hit it early in the morning. So, you know, the biologist, um, I mean, shout out to that dude because that informa the information he gave us was literally, was, it was on point. He says, there's the last aerial survey that they did in this area, they estimate about 10,000 elk. I thought that my friend who knows a guy in this area who said that he had 2,000 head on his property was full of shit. But when the wildlife biologist tells you that the whole region has about 10,000, one, how? <laughs> I mean, like, what? Yeah. What how is 10,000? How, 10, how do they count that? 
Um, they don't have I'm like, many people okay, behind Okay, this is a reliable source. Like, I don't think he's going to bullshit me. Like, why would he? Why And why would you make up such a ridiculous number? If, like, I still had, I was like, 10,000, really? Okay, you're a reliable source. I trust you. Um, and he goes, don't hunt the snowies. They're covered in snow. Those elk are most likely going to be pushed down at this point. Mm-hmm. So, um, when he said that, I was like, well, there goes plan C. Because <laughs> plan A was to get private property. Plan B was to hunt a friend's place. Plan C was to go into the big snowies. And it's like, okay, now you're telling me all three of my plans are gone or squashed. So what do we do? And he just says, hunt, the, hunt you know, a specific area. Hunt the northeast area of the region yep, and look for the small sections of BLM or state that butt up to uh, the county roads that you can drive on and hunt the back corners. So we got in the car the next morning, I think an hour before daylight so we could get out there. took us like 40 minutes to drive around. And what I tell you, I think I told you, like, we're going to hunt the morning and then we'll set up camp. Yep. Yeah, so So, we got there. The, the area that we stopped at was probably what is 800 acres it wasn't I think the first we stopped at this one section of blm that butted up to state land and combined it was just shy of a thousand acres in total huntable land which is like for montana in my opinion is not it's not a much. lot if we're in New York, if that's looked, like the size of the forest that I hunt. Yeah, like that's and it's I could walk back and forth one side to the other. Like it's, it's not a Montana typical experience to be locked down in that such small piece of land. Yeah, um, you, I mean, yes seems, and no. Yes and no. If you know where the animals are, eight hundred and sixty acres is a lot, or a mm-hmm. thousand acres is a lot. If you know where they're at, if it's an area that they're they frequent um there's just so much land it's like they could be they anywhere. could be anywhere you know, i mean we just so hope that they're going to be on this the thing that caught place. my attention was the fact that we were in a valley and on both sides to our left and north and south mm-hmm. we had um a steep hill grassy side hill uh with a line of timber or a, a timber ridge line up top definitely elk it was an elky area yeah and Rubs there was a couple cattle ranches around the corner, so you know that they jump down in there and get try to get into their feed. I'm thinking like, I mean, let's all right, let's get out and walk. And we grabbed our gear and we start walking up. And that snow was a blessing in disguise because I think it took us maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. It was the first snowfall of the year. Well, maybe not of the year. Mm, but I don't know about down there. It was recent snowfall. We had yeah the, the snow, the snow that was on the ground was fresh snow from when I landed which showed elk tracks yeah at least like maybe a day old if not that last the night prior right and that was like 15 minutes walking up the hill like right away we start seeing them yeah and like good size you know it started off as one or two tracks uh looked like a bull from what I could tell and then it turned into uh 10 to 12 You, you, you can't really count at that point but it left a pretty good trail. Now, I mean, it had snow inside of it, but you could tell it was still within like the last 24 hours. I remember seeing the tracks and I had a great feeling about it. I just... Well, the, yeah, I mean, I was excited because like, oh, well, that means at least they're in the area. 
it was also the first tracks that I saw in Montana. So anytime mm. I come here and I see tracks, I get excited because they're you, tough to find um, in New York. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you pointed out a coyote track, like, and was like, "Are there elk here? <laughs> was that an elk track? I was that? I don't know. I have a reputation for misjudging. You can ask. Our I, you, it wasn't maybe it wasn't elk because I don't think you'd make that big of a mistake comparing a coyote track to an elk. But it was a small track. Maybe it was a deer track, it was like a fawn track. It was a fresh track. Yeah, but I was like, <laughs> bro, that's. A 40-pound animal, whatever that is. And uh, we, so we just start following it. And, you know, you'll never catch up to elk, right? If they're on the move, you're never, you have to watch them bed down. If they're on the move and then it's like, well, there's only a thousand acres here on this lot. Like they're going to maybe most likely be pushed out of the area. But we wanted to just get to the high point get into the timber and see what it looked like and as soon as we got inside the timber within 10 minutes we stopped we glassed through just a small opening in the trees and there's five bulls five, so 500 yards away so i had seen before you had stopped because you were about 20 feet in front of me and i was trailing behind you and through those little windows of openings through to the other side of that hill i remember seeing four legs and a body Movement. and like a a good size, just one though. And I kept it to myself because I typically have this, this reputation of seeing saying, things that aren't there, seeing things that are usually a bush or a rock <laughs> or a tree. So I said, you know what? No, I'm just going to let him do his thing. I'm going to follow. I'm just Fence gonna, post. No need to stop him again. And then when I got up to you, you were stopped and I kept looking over there and I saw you binos over there. And I said, there's, he sees something, and then we both saw. Movement. We made we both looked at we each other counting. and made eye contact, and was like, "No way!" And it, so we were probably forty-five minutes, maybe an hour into hiking. Yeah, from parking the car, yeah, getting out and walking up. I mean, it was a it was a pretty decent hike. You could see the top. It's like oh, I was I was tired. It was a steep incline, and it, then on top of the snow. If anyone back at home was is like, listening, it was probably like looking at Thatcher Park. That's probably a good comparison is to we scale. We had, um, I think, about 400 to 500 feet of elevation gain in a very short um, yeah. short period of, of time, like and in the snow, a short distance. Not easy. It was it was a it was a pretty steep, not the steepest, but it you definitely had to take a couple breaks on the way up. It was a good size hill. So, yeah, and when we spotted those uh, those elk, all I saw were bulls. I saw I counted five bulls and one or two of them were standing up the other were bedded and i was like dude like we're in cows. it we're in it and then um they started they one started of them calling. bugled yeah they uh, started bugling and they, that was like coming like right next like we were looking probably 1500 yards across maybe a thousand yards across no it was 500 it was i think it was 515 yards to those bulls straight shot that's what i ranged it at um then but i then, saw the cows but then you heard something like right below us. Well, when when we were watching, we watched those bulls, those five. We watched one bugle, and then you hear another bugle further down that valley, and then you start hearing the cows going crazy. And the cows were way closer than those bulls. Mm-hmm. So like, holy shit, they're they're like below us somewhere. Yeah, the we timber, didn't want to go straight down. The timber is so thick at this point. I mean, we didn't even have an opportunity to prone out and take a five hundred yard shot. That, well, yeah, and. That was thick timber for sure on the way. It, you, we, we saw it through the tree branches. So, um, 
they started something got them moving though yeah i was kind of concerned because like you know we're looking at the map we're in the back corner there's not much left for them to stay on if they get spooked. And I was like, they def- they didn't see us. They're not even looking our way. They're looking up the valley. The back corner of but they start the huntable up. land. The like, ba- yeah. That- they went to private right behind them. Yep. And if so if they went up on their hillside, if they went up on top of that hill, they would have been on private. Mm-hmm. And they start kind of moving around and talking a lot. The cows are going crazy. The bulls are bugling. And there's a lot of noise. And I'm like, su- I mean, I'm super- just through the trees, you probably saw, you know, 20, 30, 40, just through the trees. So that's just what you're seeing visually. Like, you don't see all of them, obviously. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, I think we probably counted at least two dozen right away. And then you just hear all the bugling and cows, and you can tell that there's a ton of them in this area. And I was like, I fist pumped you because I was like, dude, you're going to kill an elk today. Like, there's so many in front of it us. Was, we just was, have to find a way to shoot them. It, it was pretty amazing. Like, I was just flying less than a day ago. Like, flew in 2 p.m. Montana time. Two hours into the first And then day. Not, not 8 a.m., 9 a.m., we're out there, and we're just, there's a herd. Yeah. There's a herd right in front of us up on this hill, and we decided to make a move up because they started going left. They when started we moving to them. our left. So they started moving. They were on a north-facing hill, and they started to move um, to the east and down out of this valley. So where to kind of put it into perspective, just make a U with your hand. I mean, this area, we were on top of the left-hand side of the U, and they were on top of the right-hand side of the U. And it, so there really wasn't any way to go straight down. It was a very steep drop. If you went, if you tried to go straight down from where we were to get closer to them, you'd lose sight because of the timber, and you'd make a shit ton of noise. So I was like, just we got to move this way. They're kind of starting to get up and move off to our left. So let's just stay high until we find a way to get down. And we went, I don't know, like two hundred yards probably. Yeah, we went up the hill. And then we started. We to make stayed on top. Down, yeah, tried to cut them off. We tried cutting them off, and before you knew it, we start dropping down in into that valley. Mm-hmm. And I think I stopped. I stopped to like check my GPS. I think you tried to get some footage too. I was trying to film, uh, dude. That would have been a great film because, like, I've just it. It happened so quick. Everything like, happened so quick. Um, like we wanted to film the weekend like the whole we were prepared to stay i had all my camera gear because i like to make these youtube videos i have not done a good job this year doing it and it everything happened so quick we we dropped down and i went to check my gps and then out of nowhere you just hear cows going nuts yeah and they're moving literally calling it sounds like they're on top of us but you can't see them in the timber. And then I catch a flash of light. You're still, I turned around and you're still trying to get down this slippery timbered. There's no trail. You're like working your way through the timber coming downhill. And I'm like, dude, stop, stop. And I look to my left and there's 50 yards away. There's just a line of cows and fawns and bulls moving through the timber. And I said, you know, stop, you know, do you have a shot? Do you have a shot? Can you see that, that line? And yeah, it took my backpack off. Set the gun. I was in a sitting position on my butt, put the rifle on top of my backpack, and I just had this alleyway of this line of 
elk just moving through it one after another. Yeah. So you had a you basically had about the length of a cow or an elk of shooting lane. Yeah. Like it wasn't a lot. You it had to like sure that I could aim in. And, and then, then it was gone. So on top of it being a narrow window to shoot, you had elk on both sides of each other. Yeah. It's not a single file line. So it's like I, you can't shoot until it's a single. And I'm in like I'm reasons. honestly I was like pan not panicking, but I was like, please, Evan, like do not one, don't shoot a bull. <laughs> don't shoot a bull. Make sure there's no horns antlers on top of him. Do not shoot a bull. Uh two, don't shoot a fawn or a calf. Yeah. And uh don't also shoot like make sure there's nothing behind it. Yeah. So well, that's why I wasn't filming because I I but... still went right up next to you and I grabbed my binos and I'm looking and I'm like cow fawn calf bull don't shoot that one don't shoot that one and then a single cow shows up i'm like shoot that one shoot that one shoot that yeah. one and i'm looking at you like it was right after do you the, see it because right you're just like i can see you like moving your head around the scope like dude it's right there come on man just pull that trigger Pow! but i was like yeah you heard that and it went down almost it dropped instantly. in its tracks and started to do that death roll. Yep. And then all the cows and the, the calves, all the elk that were around it, like, moved a little bit. They were still kind of there. Mm-hmm. They started to walk away. Like, there was no, like, hurry. They, to like, get jumped out, out. They, like, jumped away from where she dropped, but they, they didn't go very far at all. And then we were super stoked because it just, you saw it drop. We're like, we heard the, the whole. Brand, it took down a giant like shrub, like yeah. a tree size, like just took that out, fell on it. It was a big cow. She was, yeah. Well, she got up. She got up, and I put another round in her. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the round that took out the heart. Yeah, you hit the heart and you hit the shoulder, the high shoulder. Which we found out later. After. You actually made two really good shots um, the heart and the shoulder. You like, you didn't destroy any of the front shoulder. You went through the ribs. Neither of them. I think they were both intact. They were. Yeah, there was no Back there was no like clean, collateral front. damage inside those front shoulders, which is excellent because you don't want to lose that meat. Sometimes that bullet will hit that scapula and just eviscerate the entire top portion, which is where all the meat is. As we found out later in the week when I got a... Yeah, a we'll, we'll, we'll get to that too <laughs> if there's time. But um, Yeah, so when that elk went down... We went up to it, and it was, it was big, and I thought, you know, like that's like the size of an elk. You know, that's a big animal. The only elk that you've seen up close is the bull that I shot. Yeah, I mean, even that was pretty big. It was big, but that's actually like, that was a small. It was a, it was a spike basically. Um, they're just big animals in general. In general, they're big, yeah. But, but that cow, even I was like, that's a big ass cow. Like yeah. You shot. You shot. Probably. <laughs> you probably shot the lead cow. In the herds of elk, there's actually a lead cow. The big, I'm not the like biggest, my own like, horn, but like when your friends started saying like, "Oh my god!" Like you know, that's that's huge. And yeah. Like, my boss, you know, he doesn't know much about elk. I don't think, but he's like, "Oh my god, is that a dinosaur?" When most people, <laughs> well, when you put them like any trophy picture with an elk. Like, you always try to make them look big. We didn't even have to make this one look big. It was just big. No, I'm only, I'm five foot seven, 145. I'm not yeah, you're a big small. person. So, <laughs> <laughs> any any of those elk would have looked like a 
pretty big. Doesn't look small next to me. I'm a big <laughs> dude. I'm five eight and a half. Round I'm, up to the five nine. I'm actually five six and three quarters. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Uh short king. The uh so yeah, that dude when we looked at each other and we're like, did that just happen? Yeah, it it was so quick. And and here's where a it gets... lot of it was attributed to just like the success of that hunt was just taking our time, really, not expecting a lot. Like we weren't expecting. I didn't know what to expect. We didn't know what to expect, so we were just kind of like, you know what, we're gonna have a great week no matter what, because we're gonna be we're here together, we're working out, we're hiking, we're eating, we're camping, we're doing all of it. So we'll see something hopefully, but if not, like we're still just hanging out. And it was two hours. We were like, we didn't get to set camp up. I was actually bummed. I was kind of <laughs> bummed because I was like, yeah, because camping is dude, its own I was experience. Like, I wanted to set. I had the wall. Now, mind you, it was going to be single-digit temperatures for three days in a row, and with the wind factor, even colder. So it's like, did we really want to set up the wall tent? But I was like, man, I will get the stove going. I got the propane heater. We got sleeping bags. You know, we're going to be just like camping for a few days and i like it i like doing that kind of stuff yeah me too it's always uh, a story no matter what yeah and now it's like we're it was 10 o'clock when you shot that cow and we started our morning at seven so we're three hours into our day and the cow's down and then here and and i'm just going to be honest with everyone about what happened next because it was just an honest fuck up on my part I've got a cow tag also for the area. And I actually could have shot a spike also. Either or. One you shot and we walked up. We're literally taking pictures of his cow. And I'm like, dude, the elk are right there. Down, they right haven't the moved. They were sub 100 yards from us. And after they, two shots of a... After of- two shots... Um, and us like high-fiving and hooting and hollering like, <laughs> yeah, we did it. Yeah. And taking pictures and, and I'm like, they're right there. And you're like, do you want to shoot one? I was like, oh, yes well, and no. You grabbed, you grabbed the rifle and you, you set it up on we, a branch. We, we, I went up to that branch with just binos at first. We, both of us were filming now with this herd of elk, which had to be at minimum a hundred elk. We're not, so we're not exaggerating when I say a hundred. The and I'm, I'm. It was again. It was one of those windows. Like you couldn't see much. It was a saw shooting a lot lane. More. Saw a lot more downhill from us in the timber. But they were moving. They're and it all was, moving. You could see ten deep move. Just and they keep coming. Ten deep. Ten deep. Ten, ten behind the next. And it was just they kept moving. They and I was like, don't take a shot because yeah, grab the you rifle. Shoot, it's gonna hit something else. So I sat there and watched a couple dozen elk walk by. I had I was looking at a spike. I had a clear shot on a spike. I had um, clear shots on a couple cows, and I'm like, ah, fuck. Do I wanna? Do I wanna shoot one right now? Like, we're here for you. Like that was my whole thing. Was like, I'm here for you. I'm not gonna shoot anything until you get yours. But now yours is down. Yeah. And so it's, it's like day um, one. So I'm sitting there contemplating. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Do I do it? Do I not do it? And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to shoot one. I'm going to shoot one because I'm, I never get this opportunity. I have elk, I've hunted elk with my bow for almost 10 it would, years. It would be silly to not take a shot with like, well, just that, 
just that situation that we were in, that scenario that we were in. It, it was, was just so. It was hard a, to say no. Yeah. Um, I've hunted with the bow for ten years, and I I've never had an, an opportunity like this. Like I've shot two elk, right? One cow. I've shot one bull. I've had opportunities with the arrow with the bow where I've missed, um, clean misses. Thank God, no injuries. And here's where I fuck up. I grab the rifle. Um, I'm trying to pick out a cow in the scope. I'm going to shoot one. I decided to pass on a spike because I said, like, there was something in the back of my mind that was like, can we shoot spikes here? Because I looked at the regs, right? But we know how well I look at those. Like, I had already screwed up thinking it was private land only. Look at it again. It says spike bull or antlerless elk. Then we get to that sporting goods store, and the guy was like, I'm pretty sure it's only open to cows. So that little bit of like hesitation, I was like, oh, I'm not going to take the risk. I actually had time to grab my phone to try to grab the deer and elk regs to find it, and I didn't have enough service for it to download, and still went back to the gun and had elk crossing in my sight 100 I think, yards I away. I think the reason why they were all still there is because of where the shot was where we shot it like when i took a shot like they didn't know where it they was don't know where from. it's coming from there's there so many elk that everything's making noise yeah and like, then the bulls are trying to get them all together and like this way but yeah it was so chaos many. it was yes but was, they ended up started moving the same direction and i i i have no shot on a cow or i have a, no shot on anything right so um i what did i do um, my dog's barking in the background. Sorry. Um, the, uh, so I have no shot and I have elk lined up like three deep. Uh, there's three, three, like you got cow, cow, fawn, calf, you got calf, calf, cow like there's no shot on anything you're gonna hit something in the back so i said you know what i, I want to take a shot i'm like a sub 100 yards and what i'm gonna do is shoot one in the head because i we're like it's like 80 yards away i know that my rifle is is good at 200 yards for a one inch group i can hit something 80 yards away so um I put the crosshairs right there at the base of the of the skull of its head. She was she just stuck her head up, and when she stuck her head up, there's nothing behind her. So I'm like, that's a clear shot. And I pull the trigger, and she drops. Right? Yeah. And I'm down. like, cool. Again, right away, went down. She drops right there in her tracks. I'm like, clean shot, clean head head shot. I've done this before with does where I've headshot because I, I try not to if I'm close enough for a headshot and they're pretty still um, I don't want to lose any of the meat on the shoulders so uh, I'll go for that headshot and I, I don't know what happened I ended up just like nicking her because she goes down you're like we're high-fiving like, all right, cool. Now the hard work begins. And, and then all of a sudden I said, oh, she's, she's getting shaking up. up. I was like, what? I hit her in the, I, I smacked her in the head. It was a headshot. And, um, and she stands up they, they and I'm trying to get another round chambered and she's gone. All the elks too. They, they take off. Gone. They knew where the shot was coming from at that at point. At that point, there was so much noise where they're like, we get, well, and it was kind of like the tail end of that herd too. 
And um, so I grabbed the rifle. I grabbed a couple rounds. I went down right away to try to get a second shot. And um, there was like a little bit of... It was a it was a spray of blood where I shot her, and then we start following the trail of blood, and I it probably within forty yards it went from it's gone. It went to like a single drop of blood. Yeah, I mean it was clear there was a path, and then all of a sudden just it like you saw yeah you saw the trail she went on, you followed the blood for like forty yards in the snow. This is fresh snow. The and blood's it's still, gonna show it's up. Still snowing at that point. There's snow coming but down. But you're still. I mean, you're gonna see the blood clear as day in that white snow but and we get down to like one single drop and i walked a couple hundred yards through that timber and well, when, we probably looked for probably like 45 minutes we followed it to well to find yes yeah, spe- and like, snow accumulates pretty quickly at least out here it does it seems so like any blood that was the little bit that was falling off it was probably starting to get covered up and if it just keeps up it's like well if we can't find her now, like, there's no way we can find her later. Like, there's just, the trail's going to be covered, and the whole the whole area is, you know, you want to pause? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to pause real quick and get, take care of this dog, because he's just barking, and he's really <laughs> screwing up our train of thought. All right, well, sorry, that, uh, the dog in the background was screwing up my train of thought, right in the. The middle Seems of to my. Be a recurring theme. Oh, I can't go through an entire podcast yet without some type of interruption. Welcome to the life of parenthood <laughs> and dog ownership. The first couple episodes wasn't even my dogs; it was my neighbors' dogs barking their asses off while we're trying to record in the garage. So I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I need to build a garage away from my house. I'm gonna go set up a shop. That's this is my reason my my own podcast studio slash bow hunting range slash I can keep all my toys and stuff there. Well, I'm gonna convince the wife to, to yeah, let me build that. Yeah, right. All you right, know, you know an architect. I do. <laughs> so, with all right, so we're I shoot this cow in the head like an idiot. Um, I think down. she's down. Gets back we, up. She gets up. She takes off. I try to find the blood, and it just goes nowhere quick. So, I think I nicked her in the back of the neck. Maybe it wasn't vital. It definitely wasn't an artery, and it wasn't an, it wasn't the spine. So, all meat, back of the neck, most likely, or to the, just the side of it, because the blood was just gone. And I said, "All right, um, we were, went. You know, we were down there for like forty-five minutes to an hour trying to find a trail. It was going nowhere at that point. With that many elk running around, like we kind of couldn't really tell which way she went." After we lost sight of the blood, um, I said, let's start, let's, it's now 11 o'clock, let's go to your cow, process her out, and we'll come down this way. Yeah, hopefully. And maybe come across her again, um, as we're on the pack out. Because the way she went, which, it was down this valley towards the road. Yeah. And I took out the topo. So it seemed. I took out the topography map and... I was like, oh, well, it's all downhill from here, and it takes this valley that's going to come right out to the road. This is perfect. It's going to be a great pack out. Yeah, downhill, then it's all flat from there out, and we're thinking we can do it. Wrong. 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 <laughs> we, oh. So we start processing your elk. Um, we 
quartered it out, got the back straps. We did everything. We just didn't debone it, which would have helped, but um, it was a 0.84 mile straight shot from us to the truck. I was like, it's which you know, is up a hill. It's like I said, down. straight shot, but it's not. I've had worse packouts. Um, and what we did was try taking it out in one trip. I take half, you take half, and we made it about a hundred yards and realized this is a bad idea. In the snow. In the downhill. snow, in an area that we don't know at all. You There's, know, we're still we, in the woods too. In you know we. I didn't want to take the trail the way we came in. I didn't want to take that back because we had to go back to the top and then we had to zigzag. Our trail was a zigzag. It wasn't a straight shot. And looking at the map, it was like, oh, yeah, let's just go this way. Well, you just thought because, like, you thought it opened up. I thought it was going to open up. They all can't. Every time we saw them, they were, like, they weren't in, in it. They were, like, in an opening. They moved with no problem through that terrain, you know? Like, if they can get through, we can get through. And then... If at, all 100 of them can, like, it should be a breeze. Yeah, and that's not what happened at all. It was... So we spent 45 minutes. Um, we went basically nowhere. We're getting stuck in timber. Um, we, we went down the hill to where you shot. We dropped some meat. We dropped about a third of the meat. And then... Um, Which is still heavy. Still heavy. We start trying to find our way out, and it's just going nowhere quick. We eventually spent, I don't know, damn near an hour basically lost. If we had been there before, we would know not to go that way. Yeah. But we just thought, like, this has got to be the best way as opposed to go straight up 500 yards and elevate, 500 feet Straight up and then zigzag. I didn't want to do that. In theory, in, you know, in, in hindsight, yeah. That was the way to do it the second we time. We probably should have done that because... At least we knew what we were getting ourselves into on the way out. We knew when we got stuck in that thicket yeah. where I don't. It, it almost like I turned around. And I was like, "How did we even get in here? It doesn't look like there's any way out." It came to the even point, from the way that we came in. We said we have to go back up. Like, I mean, that's thick. the only way to get out of here. Uh, deadfall, trees everywhere, um, pricker rocks, some type of this. Like I can't remember the name of the tree, but it's basically a has very long spikes on it. Yeah, they're it's almost sharp. like a pricker bush, but... Yeah, it's... And they're big. Um, but they were, they were pretty much times. dead, so they kind of broke off with you when you walked through them. But it wasn't easy, because you're not no, like... you're getting hung up on everything. It was a pain in the ass. You're so carrying I, meat, and you're carrying equipment, you're carrying a rifle, so it's not like you got... And we were going downhill the whole time. Yeah. So when we backtracked, we had to backtrack up even more. Which, incline. Yeah, Killed which my sucked. legs. Finally... But it was like, do we do that, or... Do we get to this next opening to then come across another thicket, we, another brand? We reached this one area chaos. where I said, if you take a line of sight 300 yards to the top of this ridge, will get us to the open pasture, like that open hillside. Mm-hmm. We'll be out of the timber in 300 yards. You can't even see it. It's so thick. But I was like, we just have to go that way. And we eventually got up there. We got to the top. And sure enough, it opened up into grass again, straight downhill to the road with almost no obstruction like just straight down that the road. was a straight shot downhill so Pretty, you know not it was all negative on your legs but it was it wasn't hiking over something it wasn't trying to get over like a fallen down tree you could or see ducking. the finish line yeah it was nice to have that re- sense of relief but we so Whereas we actually dead end dead end we took a break end. at the timber line 
where the timber came out to that that grass took a break dropped the meat there and i said let's go get the other half now yeah and get it at least to this point so if we get lost again or stuck we're not going to be stuck in here at nighttime it's probably like 1 30 yeah point. so sunsets uh like five o'clock and we're not even halfway done we're not half you know and i was like it's gonna take another hour to get down to the road and back up like get everything here so it's a clear lightest like clear shot down to the road with all the meat went back got it um got down to the road took a different path took a different route back we pretty much kind of hugged the elevation line like we kind of like walked on an incline at the same elevation up until we knew where we could do a straight shot up yeah that, that second trip was way better it was so much um, it seemed like a breeze yeah so and you knew where you were going that's too. you know that's a learning experience you know the map might look like something I, I else kept yelling at you i said if we go back down you know we have to go up so we can't go down we have to keep going up yeah so the best way to do it was to just kind of slowly go up the hill yeah it was um it was a learning experience for sure we got back to the truck with all the meat at like four o'clock so we have about an hour left of daylight and, and it you was and i four degrees probably yeah it was probably it was easily within it was single digit temps um we I told you I I wanted to camp. I was like, we'll just get back to the truck. We got an hour of daylight. We're gonna set up camp um, and just hang out, grill up some meat. Like we can go home tomorrow afternoon when it's nice and sunny out and the snowstorms passed and just like it's kind of a pain in the ass to set up a wall tent and the stove and all that for one night. But I was like, man, that was like the whole. I was just looking forward to coming out here and camping in a tent and well, roughing it. We certainly would have had to do that if your elk went down. Like, that would have just been a, we have to set up camp. We but, looked for it on that second trip, and it just, it was, there was no tracking it. There was no, not even a sign of that, that herd of elk that it left in that area. Yeah, they were I have no idea where they went. It's quiet the whole I mean, rest we, of the day. we went back. We did our due diligence to try to find it um, before we took that second pack out. It just... It was a shitty shot. It was a stupid shot. It wasn't an eth- You know, you think a headshot's going to be an ethical shot, but you got to hit where you're aiming. You have to hit that spot. And it just, I don't know. I, I've done it before, so I, was, I just was confident that I could make the shot. I've done it multiple times on does. I've never actually done it and it not worked. Because the only times I take it is when I'm sub 100 yards and I'm steady and the gun is well-rested and secure. I got... I'm not jumping the trigger or anything like that. So I don't know. Like, it just didn't work this time. You know, it, it didn't kill her, um, at least that I could tell. If the blood dries up that quick, you didn't hit artery and she's running, so you didn't hit spine. That's all that's there in, in the neck. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know if what took her down was shock or... That impact for sure will will knock them down, but... Her face, I saw her face when she left, and I didn't know what I hit. Like, I didn't blow her jaw off or anything. Like, she's not out there with, like, no mouth. It was the back of the neck. Um, it just, yeah, it didn't, it didn't play out. So, um, couldn't find any more blood, couldn't find any trail. She was gone. We looked on all the way out for the herd to try to spot it. Never saw the herd again. 
get back to the truck, and then we start. It started snowing pretty bad. Yeah, the snow picked up again. And I'm thinking, like, well, we'll come back tomorrow and maybe look in the area and try to find that herd again. And, um, you know, after we're done camping. And we go to find a spot pretty close to where we parked to set up the tent. And I go to drop my tailgate in my truck, which has a topper on it. And my tailgate is frozen solid. I can't unlock it. It's locked at this point. I can't even get totes out of my truck bed. Like, I could lift the window up of that topper, but you couldn't get the bags for the tents out. You couldn't get the stove out because they're so big that they're not going to fit through that window. And um, then it got dark. By the time I tried tinkering with it to get it opened, it's getting, we have about 10 minutes left of daylight. I said, we can't, we can't do it. It's snowing. It's like two degrees outside. Hand warmers are expired. Um, Let's just go get another hotel. We got a hotel, and when we woke up, there was still another three or four inches of fresh snow on the ground. I was like, well, I guess we're going home, and that was it. I mean, it's like, what do you what do you do at that point? Like, I'm tagged out in that area. You could go back in there, but what are the chances of all that happening again? Yeah. No, at that point, I was so exhausted from that pack out. I was like, there's no way. Oh, and my I don't want. Yeah. I don't even <laughs> want to have another elk. And we just finished up yesterday processing the damn thing and so that was it was wednesday you shot it on wednesday shot it on wednesday and we actually just found some meat in the snow that we forgot about because there's so damn much yeah well well frozen like we we put them in buckets and and froze them because it's been so cold outside we still have an extra bucket that we didn't grind up but i fly out tomorrow i was here for eight days today's tuesday and we just finished up that's not eight days. That's six. Well, f- <laughs> Tuesday. Tomorrow. Oh, I see what you said. Okay, yeah. Tuesday to Wednesday. Yeah, you'll trip. have been here for eight days. I will have been here for eight days. Yeah. And we just finished packing, <clears throat> butchering, and packing. We took a couple days off because, I mean, the meat was frozen solid for a couple days. It was so cold that the everything was frozen solid. We had to let it the thaw time, out. Yeah. But, yeah, it took us three days of solid, like, processing, you know, amongst other adult duties, like, take care of my kids and stuff like that. So we were processing it pretty much every second we had a chance to. Um, I think you got endless. about 140 to 150 pounds of meat we'll off of it. Out. I got three totes. It's got to all be under 50 pounds a tote for a checked bag at the airport. So I got three of those. We'll see how much is left over. I'm going to take a couple. 45, take a couple pounds for finder's fee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I mean it was a it was an awesome hunt even though it was super short. And then uh, I said, well, you know what? The whole point of this trip was for you to learn. I mean, we learned a lot within a half a day, but I still would like to get out and show you some more so I convinced you to buy a whitetail doe tag. And there was whitetail out there too. There was. Um, actually, would have like you had plenty of opportunities to shoot a whitetail doe out there. Yeah, uh, But you didn't have the tag. And yeah, I didn't have it. I and said, I, just buy it now and we'll go out later this week because I know where to go back home for whitetail doe. We don't have to shoot one here. And um, boy, was whitetail doe hunting fun. <laughs> Laying in the snow for two hours waiting for you to take a shot. Yeah. A shot that I could have made freehand. but Well, you know, <laughs> we, I, like I said, you know, every time I come out here, I learn something. New. You, um, I'm here to learn. 
Yeah, so no, it one of the things when it comes to like hunting with people that have less experience or like a new hunter like yourself is remembering to have patience for them because I've been shooting rifles not only for hunting but for work for 13 years and I still make bad shots obviously because I missed my elk. And by all means, like I feel that like I have just as much like I don't know if it's guilt like for not making it happen. Cause like anytime I get an opportunity and it's missed or I miss a shot or I just don't take a shot or spooked and, we're but like, that's well, not bad. It's not bad because you don't want to make like you, you shouldn't be taking shots that you're not comfortable taking. You shouldn't be rushed to take shots. For me, I know when I'm steady, like I know when I'm steady, I mean, this might sound like a bunch of bullshit because I'm, I literally just got done telling you that I made a bad shot. Like I took a <laughs> shot that I shouldn't have shot and now i'm telling you that you like okay whatever we, we lucked up and we fucked up <laughs> i fucked up it happens um you shouldn't take shots that you're uncomfortable with and if you're not steady the the problem that you ran into is the fact that there was so much snow on the ground when you're taking a 200 plus to a 300 yard shot you want to be proned out for that shot yes. especially you because you're an inexperienced rifle hunter You've only shot, I I don't know how many, you've only shot a couple times, realistically. At an animal, yeah. You've only shot a couple times at the target range. I've only had you shoot a few rounds past 300 yards, you know? Yeah, I, like, I mean, safe to say, like, in my life, that's I've on a That's on a stationary a target of steel or paper. So it's like, times. yeah, you don't have a lot. I've shot hundreds, if not thousands, of rifle right um cartridges and it's just so like, you know it's not easy to thousands get it's easily to thousands I've, I've shot thousands of and i still can fuck up um so i can't hold that against you you i wanted you to be steady and i was telling you a bunch of times don't take the shot unless you're steady you need to be on that front shoulder slow trigger pull and um i felt it's, i i when i when you feel it you know it that you're steady when you don't feel it, you know it that you're not steady. Yeah. And the first shot was I felt good at that first doe, and we recorded it. I recorded that shot. I don't think I cleared over the the hill in that field because I think you shot the ground in front of you. We were on a we were in a cut wheat field, so you, not only do you have the wheat stems that are about six to seven inches tall after being harvested, you have snow and that's like almost, almost like, just as high if not higher in some areas and you're on an uneven surface so when you prone out and put that gun down even with the bipod you're barely clearing the snow and i think what happened was we're looking at a group of white-tailed doe in front of us and then there's a group of white-tailed that shows up to our right and i'm like there's one that's closer <laughs> so you go to the right <laughs> yeah. and then like, he no, 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 no. he takes so long to get steady which is no fault against you you want to make a good shot. You're trying to get steady and making sure everything's lined up. And I'm saying your barrel's not going to clear it. Your barrel's not going to clear it. And I go, There's deer to wait, the left. go to your left. That one's closer now. Like literally like you on go a to clock, your left. like 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. Yeah, o'clock. you went well, from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, 3 o'clock to 12, 12 to 9. Yeah, that's and I was We had whitetail does running everywhere. Um, the ones that showed up to our 9 o'clock were like 120 yards. Yeah. And I'm like, this is it. Yeah, I put the crosshairs it. on her shoulder, it. pull the nice slow trigger pull, pull that trigger, and she's done, and we can go home. 
and um, no sound a lot of snow flew nothing. up in the air. Yeah, the no. camera just could I watched snow. her through the camera and the binos. She wasn't touched at all. And I didn't see anything hit behind when you, her. When we actually looked at the footage, there was no snow hit impact anywhere near her. It looks like it, you hit the ground in front of you. Just buried that bullet right in front of us. And it's tough because you, you want to get a, you want to be clear of it, but you don't want to get seen. You know, they're looking right at you. They know you're something. Yeah. So if you try to get any higher or over, you feel like you might blow them away. Yeah. Um, no, it was tough to try to get a steady shot. So you missed that one. We didn't have any other opportunity. Uh, and then we went home, and then we came back another day. Yeah, we came home. We started butchering. We started processing the meat. We started cooking some of it, and then we hung out with the kids for a bit, and then kind of just, you know, chilled out because our legs were still pretty much. Yeah, I was still tired. And then um, we decided to go out and get Amanda, her buck. Oh, yeah. We went out that night to try to get her deer because my wife still had a tag. Um, we had we had a small window of opportunity, nothing that she would have had a shot on. An experienced uh, shooter would have maybe had a shot because it, I don't know, it's still, if you had uh, maybe like a bog pod or a tripod set up, which we didn't. Um, she didn't, she had no shot, but it was a decent whitetail buck. We couldn't get her one. Uh, and yeah, we, so well, went, home. went home, came she out the next morning with you. the next day. So we had the morning. Yeah. We had like one morning left to hunt. So we went back out to try to get his doe and, um, found him. We found him pretty much right away. We found a couple herds of whitetail there in the morning and then, uh, we start walking. I just said, let's just park here and walk. We'll find, this is a pretty heavy whitetail area. I had shot my, you know, I shot that whitetail buck earlier in the season with my bow in that area. I know that they like to hang out in there and we just kind of start putting stocks on does left and right. And we, nothing's producing. Like we just, they spot us or something spooks them out and we can't get close for a shot on anything. Um, we found one that was by herself and then realized when she ran off that she actually had a busted front shoulder. So somebody had already shot her and didn't kill it. Um, no shot on her. So then we're just like three hours into a hunt and like, let's just go home. Back to the truck. Yeah, like and we pretty much, we said if we don't see anything over here, which we had a, a pack of does, whitetail. Herd. What do you think so? A herd of does. Okay. Not a pack. It's not wolves. Whatever. <laughs> We saw a herd there you of go. white-tailed oaks. <laughs> <laughs> a flock. <laughs> um, uh, probably 450 yards out at the bottom of a coulee, and we were at the top, and there was no way of making our way down uh, without being seen or heard or let alone having to deal with going back up it. So we knew that if I was going to take a shot at this doe, if we find them, we got to get closer and we have to shoot down. And we just never found them. They just disappeared. Yeah. It was like a ghost. Yeah. So we said, that's when we said, let's just go back to the truck. If we see something on the way, you know, we can make it happen then. And that's when we... We found a solo. And yeah, um, that's we put a good stock out. on it. Yep. And then it took us probably like 45 minutes. And then what we did was you got a shot on it. And I was steady. It felt good. 275 yards-ish. I think it was 280, but... 280, right around there. Um, you hit it, 
Yep. You could hear it. You got. I was filming it, and the the dough drops, mm-hmm. and then she just runs. She takes off, and when she started to run, I'm filming the whole thing. I was like, she should probably go down. down now. Probably ran fifty yards, and then like oh, she, she ran further than fifty yards. Well, from what we saw, and then just disappeared over a little mound. Yeah, gave and I was it like, a. Well, I don't see her running because you could see beyond. Like it's all open, and you didn't see any movement in the very far distance. So it's like. She's got to be right over there, and yeah. she's got to be dead after seeing the blood, because we followed the blood trail, and it's there's a lot of blood. And yeah, there was a quite quite a bit of blood. We just kept, you know, saying blood, 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 and we probably followed it for sixty, seventy yards, eighty yards, and then you spotted it actually laying down with mm-hmm. its head up. Yep. And you're like, it's still alive, and I was like, oh shit, and I was like, only right. thing you could see was the head. Yeah. So. I told you, to, I mean, we were only like 40 yards away from it. And going back to making sure it's a steady shot, I dropped a prone position and I had the head and the crosshairs, but took a shot and just nothing happened. Clean miss. It didn't flinch. I didn't hit it. You probably made it go deaf. <laughs> you hit right behind, right behind the ears. Didn't know what to think. So you take your tripod and you expand it and we probably got within... 30, 40 yards of it to the point where I finished it. But Yeah, I told you to aim for it. All you could see was her looking back it wasn't like and a, her neck. It wasn't a good... There was, no, there was no second shot that you would have had that was good for the vitals, just the way she was positioned. So I told you to put it on the base of the neck. You're close enough. We're like 20 yards. Put it on the base of the neck, right below the head. It was the, it was the best target you had. And, I mean, you drilled it. Right there, dead center of the neck, and killed it immediately. So, but it wasn't the way you wanted it to go down. Obviously, yeah, I feel like a lot you of don't talk about it. Like they, they want a clean ethical hip kill. I mean, how many times have you heard that as a hunter or as a but you know a viewer? You weren't aiming for a bad shot. You know, like it just happens. When I looked at the video footage, I was like, I was probably thirty yards to your left, so my angle looks different. But she was hard quartered to you, so you must have just missed what happened when we looked at it when we got up to it was you hit it in the hind quarter she was hard quartered to you and you probably put it on that front shoulder and you were could have only been like three four inches off to your left and it was going to hit that hind quarter and that's what happened it only hit the one hind quarter which means that you hit it straight on you didn't hit it uh, broadside because it would have passed through and cleaned out both hind quarters and she was six months old she was a small doe it looked a lot bigger <laughs> yes well when they're by themselves you exp- you know there's nothing to compare it to yeah. i didn't think she was that small very uh, very small one extreme of giant cow elk to the, the other tiniest of i when we dressed it out um when we butchered it up my hand covered his entire scalpula on the front shoulder mm-hmm. that bone yeah. was in the palm of my hand yeah we have some pictures of <laughs> you got like 20 pounds of meat off that deer so small but um probably could have got more if i didn't do such a terrible job yeah tell oh so what's the one mistake that you made um, when field dressing well i did puncture the stomach and it was just a little bit no no, 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 no. See, you weren't there. You went back to the truck. I said, you got this? I said, yes. 
<laughs> I'm going to go get the sled. I've watched you for eight years now. I know how to do this. And I have to do this because you're not always going to be there for me. So I need to do this. I need to prove to myself that I can do this on my own without guidance. And boy, did I just lose it looks, patience and mess up I, and get lost. <laughs> I come back with the um, the sled and I could see that. I, I didn't see a gut pile. And I kind of see you standing over it and you look back at me and all I hear you say is, uh, I fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, what could you have possibly screwed up now? Like, what did you screw up? And then I look down, I'm like, oh no, it is a mess. Just brown guts, stomach content everywhere. Now so, I've seen a lot of messed up things in my life. Okay. <laughs> I've smelt atrocious things. I have not once smelt something quite as bad as that, with the exception of the dead body. It was like <laughs> dropping a mentos I, in a diet okay, coke. I, I don't, just tried. I couldn't stop it. I don't usually gag. I was gagging. I came close. I was. When I, you, so I have no gag. I was factor. fine because I was still kind of like trying to process what I did wrong. And then you started like coughing. And then you're coughing, and I processed that in my brain, and I started coughing, and I was just like, "Oh God, it is bad." Yeah, it was bad. We passed. <laughs> I just, just kind of took the reins from there and ripped those guts out, packed it with snow, got as much out as I could, and then we just hauled it back and washed it out. Um, yeah, I kept. So I nicked the stomach. I've seen people nick the stomach before, the intestines, and just a little bit. It wasn't out. the intestines, it was the stomach that was. It was the stomach. You- but, like, I've seen people do that before and, like, work around it and maintain, like, just I've done it. Points. You watched me do it when yeah. we were, yeah. So I thought, But like, only okay. a little tiny cut. It usually stays pretty well in contact. Like, it's never ripped open on me. And I think when I tried to make my way down, I was just moving it around too much. And that's what all the pressure just, yeah. it started to, like, a It just ripped open, yeah. And didn't get the, we got meat off of it, but... Um, boy, was that was that an experience? Yeah, lessons learned, mistakes made. Yeah, I, the whole week was full of ups and downs. A lot of ups, a couple downs, but I it was fun. Um, I it, I hope you learned a lot this week. Well, I always learn from you, Chris. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> I try. He has a I, lot of um, patience. You gotta have patience with people that are. That are new into and I, like, I, like this kind I, of stuff. I find myself losing patience, but it kind of you kind of get uh, I don't know if it humbles yourself when you make mistakes. Yeah, but like oh, you get mad at yourself, but but like getting frustrated. You, what with you got to realize is that you're not the only one. Yeah, everything that you watch on TV and YouTube when it comes to hunting, they only show you the good stuff. They don't show you blowing up the guts and making a terrible headshot on a cow elk and not killing it you know they don't i mean it doesn't you see it but not as often as you're going to see the trophy shot and the perfect broadside double lung or heart shot like this shit happens all the time all the time yeah like nobody's perfect yeah so learning to be patient with people is something that a lot of people like i'm trying to still develop patience for people in all aspects of life and when you see it and you're the one on the other end, you almost improve just in that experience. Like you, you kind of remember those instances where someone 
is being patient with you, you kind of carry that back in your workplace or in your relationships or whatever, where it's so easy to get frustrated with someone, but then you try to, you know, work with them, learn, teach, mentor. So you're a really good mentor in that sense of just... Well, because I've been there. So many mistakes were made, but you still stuck with me. Well, because I've been... Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Like, I had learned everything. I learned most of what I know by myself. I had a couple guys help me out along the way, but for the most part, I just basically learned it through mistakes or research or whatever it might be, whatever. Every time I go out, let's say, for instance, elk hunting, bow hunting, and this is like one of, I think it's the first episode of the podcast where I talk about like how you define success. Like you should never have an unsuccessful hunt because you're always learning from something. Even if you don't take an animal home, you've learned something. Mm-hmm. You, you can't really s- define success for hunting as only having antlers on your wall or meat in the freezer. If you like, if I went out and it was just me and I was hunting those cows and I shot that, made that shot just like I did, and I didn't kill it by myself. And I went home. It's like, well, now I know not to do that. I, I learned this trip. I learned don't do that again. Don't be a freaking idiot. Take that kind of a shot. Trust I mean, me, that cut when I was field dressing that dough was is imprinted in my brain. You're not going to make that mistake again. You're probably going to go home and research uh, YouTube on how exactly you're supposed to properly field dress an animal and judge it by size. That all takes time. So, uh, no, I'm uh, hopefully next year you can come back out with a uh, with the buck tag, and we can go out together again. Uh, maybe chase some elk. I don't know. We'll see what what happens with the drawing odds this year. But um, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a fun week. Learned a lot. Uh, definitely a good time. So I'm glad you made it out. Always glad I come. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good experience. The dog is exhaling loudly into this mic, so we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah, no, uh, everyone that's listening, thanks again, especially if you made it through this far. Um, check out the Instagram page, Highline Hunter. I'll tag my brother Evan on the podcast on Instagram. You can give him a follow if you want, even though he doesn't really ever post anything, anyways. Um, but yeah, thanks uh, again, everyone for your support. Hopefully the audio was better this year or this, uh, this episode and subscribe podcast is on. Well, I guess I don't even have to tell you where the podcast is on. Cause you're obviously listening to it from somewhere. YouTube page, Instagram. That's about it. Uh, thanks again, everyone. And hopefully everyone has a good remainder of their season. Don't forget me to, or don't forget to send me some trophy pictures. So you all take care. Good luck. Yeah, good luck. Man, I was going good until the